What is up, Barberton? Huh? How you guys doing? Good? Welcome to, uh, to Grace Church. My name is Greg Foote. I'm a pastor of Family Ministries. I'm over on staff at our Norton campus. I'm married to one wife. Her name is Shannon. And we have two kids, uh, Lucas and Callie. Um, Lucas is going to be a seventh grader at Norton, and Callie is going to be a sixth grader. And it's kind of cool. So they're both going to camp next week. So Shannon and I have the house to ourselves for a whole week without kids. It's kind of crazy. Usually um, we have a chance to go to be a part of camp. So I'm going to do some visits, uh, do a camp visit to junior camp on Monday and probably summer camp, uh, middle school camp on Thursday just to hang out with the, the students there. Um, Shannon and I just celebrated our 16th uh, wedding anniversary on Friday, so that was exciting and it was a good, good celebration there, just enjoying, uh, thinking back all the memories that we've had and getting excited for the memories that we're going to make here in the future. So summer is here, right? School's out, so summer's here, so camps are started. Um, it's going to be uh, a great a great time. But uh, I want to let you guys know, we're in the middle of a series. Uh, we started a couple weeks ago. It's called uh, Jesus in Between. And so what this series is about... It's about looking at Jesus' life, because what happens a lot of times is uh, we know a lot about baby Jesus, right? Merry Christmas, December 25th. And we know a lot about Easter Sunday when Jesus rose from the, rose from the grave. And so people come to church and are part of the, those two big events. So usually around church services, those are really huge because people are all about Jesus at those two big events, and as they should be. But this series we've been talking about is looking at Jesus in between those two big events. Because Jesus, obviously, he lived um, after he was born. He didn't just, as a baby, and then leave. He, as a baby, he lived 30-some years, and then he, he rose from the grave. And he's still alive today. How awesome is that? But what we're looking at this series is different, uh, different things about Jesus that maybe we didn't know, how he lived in between. And so this is, this is your first Sunday with us. I encourage you to go back and kind of look, look at some of the, the past uh, messages that have been preached. And they're all online. You can, you can check those out. Um, the first, uh, just to kind of give you a little recap, was um, that we looked at uh, that Jesus is 100% God and 100% man. So he's not just a little bit of God, a little bit of man. No, he's both. He's 100% God and 100% man. And we talked about how, how, that, how significant that is. Knowing that that truth is a good foundational truth and helps a lot know of who, uh, who he is and, the, and the, the Christ that we get to follow. The next week we talked about that Jesus was tempted. So as a human being, as a being 100% man, he was tempted, just like we're, we're tempted. So you think, oh man, I, I can't live like Jesus did. Well, we, all can, we can all can strive to live like Jesus did because he was tempted just like we are. And the whole sermon on that, that message on that week was how Jesus, we went through the passage of scripture where that, that took place and how Jesus combated um, Satan and the evil one and how to, how to live your life through temptation because we all str uh, struggle with that. Then last week, we, uh, we got a story about Jesus giving a sermon. And while he was teaching a sermon, in the middle of his sermon, all of a sudden, a guy was lifted, um, raised from the roof down in front of him. Talk about a distraction, right? And we learned about when that distraction happened, Jesus not only healed this man's physical needs because he couldn't walk, but he also um, healed his uh, spiritual needs, which is the most important thing. And so we, I encourage you guys, if you had a chance to, to be a part of those sermon series, go back and listen to them, especially this week. They're on podcast and video and all that. So we're going to go to another story today. Before I get there, I want to share a few stories of my own. The first was, uh, this would be probably the springtime of 2006. Um, my wife and I um, wanted to have a dinner party at our house. 
So we were all excited to, to invite my, my parents over, Shannon's parents over, and we're going to have a dinner party at our house. And so on this dinner party, we wanted to get the fancy dishes out. So you know those dishes that you get on your, your wedding day that you never use, the fine china, and then so all the, register, all the gifts register, you have to have the fine china on there, but you never use it except for like very special occasions. So this was a special occasion. We wanted to have our families over. So our families came over. We got the special dishes out. We got the little party favors out. We put them around there. And the reason why we wanted to have this dinner party with these specific guests is because this is where we're going to be letting our parents know for the very first time that we were expecting our first child, the first grandchild on each side. So it was a big celebration. We were all excited to have a dinner party. All of you could probably think of a time in your life where you had people over. Maybe you had people over for a dinner party. Maybe you have the fancy dishes or maybe it's just you have the barbecue and you're you know, having the, the, the styrofoam plates. Whatever it is, you, we all can think of times when we have people over and had a dinner party. Maybe we hosted a dinner party or sometimes we've been invited to come to a dinner party. Imagine, if you would, that you have a dinner party, you're, you're hosting a dinner party, and you want to invite um, all your friends, but one of the people you want to invite is a very special friend, like, like a famous person. Like, you want to get somebody to your dinner party who's, like, famous. People would know him locally. People might know him regionally. Maybe this person is even known nationally. Like, you want to make sure, like, you invite that person to your dinner party. You're so excited to invite him that you, that you try to figure, okay, how can I get this, this person to come? And then you send out the, uh, the, uh, you know, the invite, and this, this A-list celebrity says, yep, I will be at your dinner party. And you're freaking out going, oh my goodness, I have this person coming to my dinner party right here, right now. I'm going to tell all my friends, this person is coming to my dinner party. And you're thinking about, wow, think about all the cool pictures I can, I can take selfies with this, with this A-list celebrity and post it on my social media accounts. Make all my other friends jealous. We don't do that, do we? Posting on social media to make other people jealous? No. We do, let's be honest. Sometimes people, you, you, you scroll through your Facebook feed and we're like, man, I feel so jealous. I'm not hanging out with that. I didn't get invited to that party. Especially with teenagers. A lot of teenagers get that, uh, like, they feel like they're left out. But anyway, so you, you figure out, think about all the comments that are going to be created by this, by the celebrity that's going to be at your dinner party, the, the retweets that are going to be out there on your social media accounts. You're so excited. And so um, they show up, and all, all it takes place, and you get a, the whole dinner party goes off without a, a hitch, and you have a great time. What a time it'll be. So why do I tell you about two dinner parties? Well, today we're going to look at a snapshot in Jesus' life, Jesus in between, where Jesus himself was invited to a dinner party. And Jesus himself was that A-list celebrity. He would have been the guy, when he was invited to this dinner party, that everybody would have known. Everybody would have uh, had a chance to, uh, um, to, to, you know, they've heard about him. And so before we get to the, the passage we're going to read to this, this morning, turn in your Bibles or fire up your apps to Luke chapter 7. Okay, we're going to look at in the Bible, Luke chapter 7. And, uh, and as you're, as you're um, firing up your app, going through that, that section of Scripture, um, I'm going to give you a, look, a little backdrop to this, to this snapshot as we, as, we, as we jump in. So the, the, the Luke chapter 7, a little, uh, little history of what's going on here. So Jesus had just given uh, the, uh, his Sermon on the Mount, which is his, uh, his biggest recorded uh, message, sermon in the Bible. And so, so that ends after chapter 6. And then chapter 7, verse 1, there's a story where Jesus um, heals a, uh, a centurion's servant. And you're thinking, well, why is that significant? Well, one, the centurion, who is a, who's a high-ranking official in, in, the, in the army, he... Uh, 
He wasn't a Jew, so therefore that was a big deal. And so he never actually um, reached out to Jesus personally. He sent uh, soldiers to go talk to Jesus, and Jesus, and so the, the soldiers came to Jesus and said, um, our, uh, our, 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 our servant is, uh, is, is ill. Um, we need to have somebody heal him. And so Jesus eventually heals this guy. And so news about that spread that Jesus healed the centurion's servant. And, uh, and it talked about Jesus' authority. And then right after that, the next story is Jesus raises a little boy from the, from the dead. That's newsworthy, right? I mean, this, there's a boy who was, who was, who was, in a, who was in, being carried... Um, he, he was passed away, and Jesus heals him, and the boy raises from the dead. So people are talking about this. Then after that takes place, John the Baptist starts doubting or, um, if Jesus really is who he said he was and who John the Baptist was. He was the guy who, who was born uh, right before Jesus, but he was making the way, talking about this Messiah coming, talking about Jesus. And then John the Baptist gets thrown in prison because of some of the, the accusations or some things that he was saying. And while he's in prison, he starts doubting. Is Jesus really the Messiah this guy was talking about? And Jesus talks, gives him a, a little resume. Hey, this, these are some things that I'm doing. This is who I am. So that's kind of the backdrop of where we're going to hop in um, this morning. So today's, today's story, we're going to look at Luke chapter 7, verses 36 to 50. And when we're, we're going we're gonna to do this together. We're going to read the whole story all the way through. All right, so we're going to read it all the way through. So hang, hang with me. And then we're going to unpack this, this story together. You guys cool with that? Good? Okay. So we're going to read the story all together. So one of the things before we read the story, I want to I give you the characters. So it's kind of like when you get ready to watch a movie, you have the opening credits. Like who's in the story? Like who's, who's involved in the story? So it's like, you know, when Star Wars start, you see that whole, you know, the opening scene. So imagine, imagine that right now. Who is involved in this story? Then we'll read the story together. So there are these people in the story. There's uh, Simon the Pharisee, he's, he's one of the characters in the story. You have Jesus, who, um, who's the Savior. And we have an unnamed woman who is categorized as a sinner. And then we also have the extras, other party guests. You know, when you uh, any time there's a play or a musical or a TV, there's always extras, people who just want to be a part of uh, what's going on. And the extras actually, they're, they're pretty significant to this story. We're gonna, we'll talk about that in a second. So we have the Pharisee, Simon the Pharisee, Jesus the Savior, unnamed woman who's categorized as the sinner, and then we have the extras. So if you've got your apps fired up or your, your Bibles there, Luke chapter 7, well, let's read this together. Um, chapter 7, starting reading here in verse 36. When one of the Pharisees invited Jesus to have dinner with him, he went to the Pharisee's house and reclined at the table. A woman in that town who lived a sinful life learned that Jesus was eating at the Pharisee's house. So she came there with an alabaster jar of perfume. As she stood behind him at his feet weeping, she began to wet his feet with her tears. Then she wiped them with her hair, kissed them, and poured perfume on them. When the Pharisee who had invited him saw this, he said to himself, If this man were a prophet, he would know who is touching him and what kind of woman she is, that she is a sinner. 
Verse 40, Jesus answered him, Simon, I have something to tell you. Tell me, teacher, he said. Two people owed money to a certain moneylender. One owed him 500 denarii and the other 50. Neither of them had the money to pay him back, so he forgave the debts of both. Now which of them will love him more? Simon replied, I suppose the one who had the bigger debt forgiven. You have judged correctly, Jesus said. Verse 44. Then he turned toward the woman and said to Simon, Do you see this woman? I came into your house. You did not give me any water for my feet, but she wet my feet with her tears and wiped them with her hair. You did not give me a kiss, but this woman from the time I entered has not stopped kissing my feet. You did not put oil on my head, but she has poured perfume on my feet. Therefore, I tell you, her many sins have been forgiven, as her great love has shown. But whoever has been forgiven little loves little. Verse 48, then Jesus said to her, your sins are forgiven. The other guests began to say among themselves, who is this who even forgives sins? Verse 50, Jesus said to the woman, your faith has saved you. Go in peace. What a story, right? And I hope if you've never read that story before, or maybe you had read that story before, there's got to be some questions that you all have. There, I, I have questions, especially when you look about this dinner party, because if we had a dinner party today, I don't think this kind of stuff would take place. Like, we would not be reclining at the table like they would have been. We would not have, you know, like all this stuff going on. So I want to give you some cultural context of what's going on here. This is not like 21st century. So what's taking place is, so Simon, the Pharisee, is having a dinner party at his house. And this house is different than what you and I are used to. Like our homes, like we have windows and doors and, uh, you know, locks on the doors, all that stuff. In this context... There are windows and doors, but they may not have um, had, you know, uh, locks on them. Or a lot, of, a lot of times it might just be open entryways. So you had this great room with, with this table. And, and this table would not have been like we're used to, sitting at, you know, the high tops or the low stuff. It would be low to the ground. And what would happen is when the guests would come, they would recline the table. It would be like this. It would be like they, you'd be on your, your side on your left side, and you'd have your right hand to, to eat your food or drink your, drink your drink. And so everybody would be around the table, and your feet would all be sticking out. And the reason being, that way, because people's feet really stunk back then, right? Because you, like, you didn't have you know, the, the right hygiene. There's no tennis shoes, socks. It was, you just wore sandals and all that stuff. I mean, we all know what feet smell like on a, after a, a hard, hard day's work. So that's all the feet would be going out that way. And so they'd be eating around the table, so like spokes on a, on a wheel. So, and so all the light then would be on the table. So you'd have candlelight, especially at dinner time. So all the other, so if you're in the background, it would be dark. So that's all going on there. And then what's interesting is because not only would the, so people who sat on the table were those who were invited to the party. So this would be other Pharisees. So the extras in the crowd, they would be like the other people that were invited to the party. And then also a part of this context, you'd have people who just show up. You'd, you'd hear about parties going on. You weren't necessarily invited, but you got to come in and be a part of what was going on. Not necessarily partake in it, but you could come in and watch. And so this sinful woman the, the, who's categorized as a sinner, she would have come in and stood back here, and so she'd be at the feet of all these, you know, these people sitting around the table. And she wouldn't be the only one. There'd have been other people there, but they'd they'd find their way in, and you know, kind of like they'd hear about. Jesus coming, and so Jesus was the A-list celebrity, so imagine some famous person coming to Barbara in Ohio, it's like, I wonder if I have a chance to, to see him, can I, can, I get, can I get a picture with her, you know, all that stuff, so that's kind of what's going on here at this party. 
um, so Simon was a Pharisee, and maybe you're, you, a question you might have is, what, what's a Pharisee? Who, who were Pharisees? It's a good question to ask. Pharisees were a group of Jews who obeyed very strictly both God's laws and all their own rules about God's laws. So in the book of Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, and Deuteronomy, there's over 600 laws that, that God gives the nation of Israel to help get them acclimated to, uh, to life outside of slavery. And so the Pharisees held up all those laws, and they made sure that they followed all those laws to a T. And they were so excited about making those laws to a T that they even made up some own, their own laws to, to make sure other people could just you know, always follow the rules. And so though they were so focused on making sure all the rules were followed, the relationships a lot of times were severed. So, um, it's interesting that uh, the question in the story that the extras ask is, is where we're going to head for the rest of our talk, and that's this. In, in verse 49, the question that all of us need to ask when it comes to Jesus, especially Jesus in between, is when they ask, who is this? When you think about Jesus, the question all of us need to ask, like those extras, I mean, they, they saw this, the, the, the Jesus, you know, um, telling this woman that her sins are forgiven, um, she's saved, and they said, who is this? Who is this guy? And that's a question, if you think about Jesus in between, birth, resurrection, who is this? And we're going to spend the rest of our time together talking about who he is. So today we're going to look at three actions that Jesus does that gives us the answer to this question. So we're going to look at three actions in the story that Jesus does that gives us the answer to who he is. So, if you're taking notes, the first action that Jesus, Jesus does in this story is this. Jesus sees. Jesus sees. So when Jesus comes to this party, he sees people. He sees the, the, the unnamed woman. Like, obviously, um, she's, in the, she's in the shadows, but he, he sees her. He notices her. Um, she has, she, the, the woman doesn't even have a name in this passage. She's, she's unnamed, but she's known for her sin and her reputation. So, just a little, a little bit. So, she's, she's called the sinful woman, and nowhere does it say um, the kind of sins that she's involved in, but it, it's pretty, pretty much guaranteed she was probably a prostitute. What she, so, what she did was, you know, all the, the prostituting things, and so that's the kind of woman that she was. And so, people, when they knew that that, that woman came to the party, all of a sudden it's like, Oh boy, she's, she's here. That woman is here. Oh my goodness, I can't believe she showed up. But it's interesting because nobody notices this woman but Jesus. So Jesus sees the woman. This woman has been categorized. She's been criticized. She's been condemned for everything that she's done. And she, she's at a place of, like, what do I do? Jesus not only sees the woman, the unnamed woman, but he sees Simon the Pharisee, obviously the host. He, he notices the host. Um, so Simon the Pharisee is known for his social status and his party hosting. So obviously because Simon, his house, they all knew, this is Simon's house. Yay, Simon's here. But it's interesting, the woman was unnoticed until her alabaster jar of perfume was popped open. It was almost kind of like, you know, she, she would, like I said, the, the table would have been here in the light, the candles would have been lit, and it would have been all these other people at the party in, in the back, in the shadows. But once oh, she's, she's crying, uh, and she's starting to, to, to dab Jesus' feet with her hair, and all of a sudden she, she pops open that perfume bottle. And we all know what that smells like, right? 
know when you get the Sunday paper, you're walking through uh, Macy's, through the, you know, the Estee Lauder area, and it's like, wow, the perfume smell. So when perfume hits the air, it's like, pow. And so that would have been like this alabaster jar. And she would have had an alabaster jar because of her profession. As a prostitute, she would have had that as a profession to, you know, to, to get her, her scent out there um, for her different things. And so she had that with her, and she used that on Jesus' feet. Simon was noticed because he was the host. He was excited that he was able to have his A-list celebrity, Jesus, RSVP to his party. He was all excited. Hey, I got my buddies here, but you know what? I got Jesus here. If there was social media then, he would have made sure he got all the pictures with Jesus. Made sure all his friends know, hey, I had Jesus at my party. Who did you have? Uh, I had Jesus. I win. And so he was all excited for that. And it's interesting because Simon, Jesus asked Simon, do you see this woman? Like, he's almost kind of like, hey, hey, Simon, like, you're having this party, all your buddies are here, but do you, do you see this woman? Um, and uh, extras, other people around the table, like, because when they had this conversation, uh, other, other people around the table, do, do, you, do you see her? Do you understand um, what her future holds, what her past was, what her future holds? So, Jesus, action number one, Jesus sees. Action number two, Jesus speaks. So he doesn't just see, but Jesus speaks. Jesus speaks to the woman and to Simon. And what's fascinating is, in some cultural um, backstory, women in, in this culture were, were not very highly regarded. Um, and that's just part of what was going on in that culture. And especially women who, who had the profession of, of prostitution, they were very much not talked to. It was more like, you know, do your thing, but don't, like, don't mention it. Um, everybody probably knew who she was because they, they saw her on the street corners, but they, they, you know, nobody talked about her. Matter of fact, she's not even named in this story. But it's interesting, Jesus speaks to the woman, and he speaks to Simon. And it's interesting, the woman, when you read this story, the passage we just read together, the woman never speaks. She never says a word. Like when you look at Jesus' interaction with this woman, he's saying, your sins are forgiven, all that. But she never says a word, but she speaks, quote-unquote, just by her actions, what she does. And we're going to talk about that in just a second. She, uh, she never asks for forgiveness. She never prays. But she demonstrates repentance. She demonstrates repentance because she is at the feet of Jesus, realizing in the dark, in the, at the feet of Jesus, going, okay, I have, my life is a mess, and I need a Savior. That, that was, her, that was her, her actions. Simon... Never ask the question. So it says, uh, turn, go back to, um, to verse, uh, chapter 7, verse 39. This is, this is so crazy. Um, when the Pharisee, Simon, who had invited Jesus, him, saw this, Simon said to himself, he didn't talk, he said to himself, if this man were a prophet, he would know who is touching him and what kind of woman she is, that she is a sinner. Verse 40, Jesus answered him. Whoa! 100% God, 100% man, Jesus knew his thoughts. And let this be an encouragement to us here in 21st century. Jesus knows our thoughts. So we can pray to Jesus without bowing our heads and closing our eyes. And we, can, we, we can talk to people. And as we're talking to people, we can pray, saying, God, I don't know what to say next. I'm, I'm by this person. God, give me words to say. What do I do? God knows our thoughts. How cool is that? And how scary is that? 
You know, so we, we got to guard our thoughts. But Jesus, so, the, so, so Jesus is answering Simon's thoughts. And, and that answer to that, the, the thought-provoking question is the topic of the rest of this, this story, is uh, all that he was thinking. So Simon's lack of action to the customary hosting is the illustration. So what I mean by that is this. Usually when you'd have people over to your house in this, in this day and age, in, in this era, is you would, um, you'd have a feet washing basin. There used to be somebody there washing the feet. Sometimes it was the host. Other times it would be the host's servants washing their feet. And not only would they wash their feet is they would also, um, you know, give the, the customary greeting with, with a kiss, you know, the, the, the cheeks, you know, left cheek, right cheek. And they'd also um, anoint with oil, kind of like a nice, a nice smelling oil just to kind of help, you know, with the, the, the sense of the room. And so that was something a host should do. But as we read in this story, Simon, who is so excited to have Jesus RSVP to this cool party, he does none of those things. He doesn't wash his Jesus' feet. He doesn't give him a, a greeting of a kiss. Um, he doesn't uh, anoint him with oil. He does none of those things. But it's interesting because uh, he didn't do any of those things, but this, this woman did all of those things in her own way. So the woman... She's back here in the shadows, obviously broken, and she's, she's, she's crying, weeping, because like, she's she knows what she's, what she's doing is wrong, and she, she wants, to be, wants to be saved from this, this mess she's in. So she's weeping, and her tears are, are flowing so much that they're dropping on Jesus' feet. And so, so in a sense, so Jesus says, she's, she's, her tears are, are washing my feet. And then not only did her tears wash her feet, but then she's like, oh no, I, I've noticed my, my tears are on his feet. Now what do I do? I, there's no towels. What do I do? I'll, I'll take my hair down and, and, and wa- dry his feet. And something to know about that is women would never take their hair down in public. That was something you did not do in that culture. That, that was, a, that was a, an intimate, uh, intimate moment between a, a husband and a wife. And so when a woman took down her hair, it was usually in her home, specifically in the bedroom. So in this context, when, this, when she took down her hair, not only were people already um, couldn't believe that Jesus was talk, or, you know, letting this woman do that, and then she took down her hair, they were thinking, oh, my goodness. So Jesus is just letting her do this in front of all these people. What kind of, what kind of prophet is he? So she's drying her, his feet with her hair. And then the next step is, you know, she, she anoints his feet with her alabaster jar, the, the, the sweet-smelling perfume. And so she, she douses that to make, to make the, the scents um, help out there. And so Jesus makes this big story. And, uh, and the alabaster jar was, was, was probably palm-sized, so it was not too big. And Jesus speaks to the woman, Your sins are forgiven. Your faith has saved you. Mm. What amazing words. Jesus says to the woman whose posture is at the feet of Jesus, she's standing there, then she kneels there, she realizes, at the feet of Jesus, I, I have nothing to give. And Jesus says, your faith has saved you. So, Jesus speaks, Jesus sees, and the, the third action, Jesus saves. Jesus saves. It's interesting, when the, when the woman showed up to the party, she wasn't looking around at what other people were thinking. She wasn't going, oh, I wonder what he's thinking. I wonder, I wonder if I know him or wonder if I know her. Like she, wasn't, she wasn't looking at what other people were thinking. That wasn't her, her status. She was looking down in shame at the feet of Jesus. 
Simon was looking around and judging, judging Jesus because he said in his thoughts, he thinks he thought this, if this man were a prophet, he would know who is touching and what kind of woman she is, that she is a sinner. The woman showed humility. She was, she was very humble in her, her posture. And Simon was humbled by Jesus' words. The woman was silent. She didn't say anything, but she, got the, she was offered the forgiveness. She received Jesus' forgiveness. Your faith has saved you. Go in peace. It's interesting because the, the illustration that, that Jesus, this little parable that Jesus gives, uh, reading here in verse, uh, chapter 7, verse 41, after he's answering Simon's thoughts, the illustration of the parable is this, little story. Two people owed money to a certain moneylender. One owed him 500 denarii and the other 50. Verse 42, neither of them had the money to pay him back, so he forgave the debts of both. Now which of them will love him more? And then Simon goes, I suppose the one who had the bigger debt. And then Jesus goes, right. <laughs> you, you, you've said it correctly. And the reason why he shares this story is um, let him know, like, both had huge debts. Like, um, 50, 500. And a denarii, it's a little, uh, what a denarii was, that was a day's wage. So, 50 days' wages would have been about a year. 500 would have been several years. So, both debts were huge. Doesn't matter where they're at. And so, when this moneylender said, you know, your debts are forgiven, all of a sudden, both of them are like, Woo! Obviously, the ones who had bigger debt might have been you know, more excited, but still, if you would have had a year's worth of debt or five years of debt forgiven, wouldn't we all be excited? I mean, let's be honest. And so it's the same thing. When this woman, this unnamed woman at the feet of Jesus, obviously, if you look at you know, her reputation, everything she did, her debts were huge. But she's like, I, I want them forgiven. Simon, um, he, he might have not have had the many, you know, all, all the, the, the things that this woman had, but there's, there's sins that Simon has that that he needed forgiveness to as well. He wasn't ready for, for that. And so you can see that, uh, that Jesus saves this unnamed sinful woman, not because she said anything, but because how she acted and how she just gave herself to Jesus. So the three actions we looked at today, Jesus sees, Jesus speaks, and Jesus saves. So the, the question that these, these extras in the story ask, who is this? Who, who is this that, that forgives sins? Who, who is this person? A good truth for us to always remember is found in Romans chapter 5, verse 8. And if, if you um, hide God's word in your heart by memorizing, here's a verse just to, to stick down in there, to, to go to often and memorizing the scripture, especially when you're going through tough times, even through good times, but just to know this truth. Chapter 5, verse 8 of Romans says this, God demonstrates his own love for us in this. While we were still sinners, Christ died for us. While we were still sinners, Christ died for us. The unnamed woman, obviously, you know, this is before Jesus, you know, died on the cross for her sins, but he, she knew something about this woman. He was, he was more than a prophet. He was more than a good teacher. She knew, more than, she knew more than that. Many times what happens is when we, um, you know, when we ask for forgiveness um, or maybe we, we say yes to Jesus, we, uh, you know, obviously God clears, clears the slate. We're forgiven. We're, um, 
uh, for all of our, our sins and wrongdoings, everything in the past, as well as everything in the present, everything in the future. But what happens, though, a lot of times when we, when we do that is um, there's still our past sins, there might still be some temptations that, you know, are dangling. You know, obviously, Jesus helps us through all that, but there's still temptations that, that dangle, or, or there's different vices that we know, if, if we left unattended, we'll always get drawn back to. And so, what, what I want to share today is that, uh, that we can continue to, to push forward. I want to show you a picture and give you an illustration to kind of help, help with this, uh, this, this thought process. We think about when we ask for forgiveness, we are forgiven and clean forever. But it's this picture here. It's, it's the, uh, this little boy driving in a car, adjusting his rearview mirror. I want, I want to have this visual picture because what happens is when you say yes to Jesus, when you ask Jesus to take control of your life, you have this big windshield in front of you. Like when you're driving in the car, beautiful windshield, you can see everything in front of you. And, we, and what happens is the, the, the invention in the car is that rearview mirror. And what happens with the rearview mirror is you, you know, you, when you're backing up, you look, in the, you look in that mirror to make sure nobody's behind you. If you're driving down the highway, you make sure you look in the rearview mirror so before you, you know, get in the next lane. But what happens in life is we have this, you know, big windshield in front of us, but a lot of times we can look in that rearview mirror at our, at our past. A lot of times going, okay, I, I know I, I, was, I was addicted to this, I was, I was messing in this sin, and a lot of times we start looking in the rearview mirror, and what happens is we might get it, 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 excited about the rearview mirror, and we start looking at the rearview mirror. And what happens if you're driving down the highway, and you stop looking out the windshield, and all you look in the rearview mirror, what would happen to us? Every time, right? Like all of a sudden. So the rearview mirror is a good thing to have in your car, but it's not something you want to, you know, have in your life. And so when, you, when you're at the feet of Jesus, when you're forgiven, you have the whole windshield in front of you, and the rearview mirror is going to be there. There's going to be things in your past that, you know, you can't, you can't, you know, wipe away. You've been forgiven for that, but there's some things you can't do, do away with. But you, one thing you have to do is you have to just take the mirror and put it that way so you don't focus in on, on all that stuff. You have to allow those, the sins to be done away with and focus in on what Jesus has done for us. Looking at the future forgiveness, putting the bad behind, getting to the place of humility, silence, and obedience. And Psalm 51 the David, the King David wrote this, just having a humble, broken, and contrite heart. All right, I'm going to leave us with this point to ponder, okay, and then we'll, then we'll, we'll wrap up here. This is the point to ponder. Is Jesus your social status or your Savior? Is Jesus your social status or your Savior? Simon the Pharisee heard Jesus teach. He knew about, you know, he probably heard about him do, um, healing the centurion servant. He heard about the little boy being risen from, from the dead. He heard none of all that stuff. But one of the things that uh, he, he knew Jesus, but he did not accept his message. Instead of saying yes to Jesus, Simon just invited him to dinner. He was, he was more excited to have social Jesus. He, uh, he was more excited to just know Jesus. And a lot, a lot of times that can happen to us. We can say, yeah, I, I know Jesus. You know, Jesus and I, we're, we're buddies. Hang out with him at Christmas. Hang out with him again at Easter time. Give him thanks when I accept awards. Um, you know, might, might drop his name once in a while, but he, that's all he is. The woman, on the other hand, the sinful woman, um, she, was, she was the Savior. I viewed him as a Savior. 
She heard Jesus teach. So somewhere before this, this moment at the dinner party, she must have heard of Jesus. There's no, there's no other mention in the Bible of if she had had an other encounter with Jesus. We don't know, and I'm not going to speculate. But I'm, I would assume, though, that she, she didn't just walk into a dinner party and start crying at a guy's feet. She must have had an experience, had heard Jesus teach, heard his message, and that transformed her. And it's interesting, because she heard him teach, she realized her sinfulness and the need of a Savior. So... What about you this morning? Is Jesus your social um, companion or your, your Savior? Today I invite you, if you've never said yes to Jesus, you, you can do that right now. You can, you can say, Jesus, I, I'm, at, I'm, at, I'm at your feet. And that's the place that all of us are at. And just because I'm up here speaking doesn't mean, well, I'm better than everybody else. No, I'm, I'm at the same place all of us are. I'm at the feet of Jesus myself, and I'm, I'm, in, I'm kneeling and bowing and worshiping the Savior. Jesus transformed my life. There was a period of time, you know, when I was younger, and I realized, okay, I can't do this on my own. I need a Savior. And I, I said yes to Jesus. And I, I still have, have, have periods of time where I, I struggle, and I have to ask for forgiveness. And so all of us at the feet of Jesus. And don't allow your past to dictate your decisions. Don't always look in the rearview mirror thinking, well, there's no way. If you knew my past, look, Jesus forgives all of us. doesn't matter what our past was. You know, obviously there's going to be things that we, we are still going to be haunting us for a little bit, but Jesus does, has done away with that. And those of us that have said yes to Jesus can say, praise the Lord that my, my past is done away with. And we can follow after him, looking into the future, looking through the windshield of seeing what, what God has for us. Um, so at the feet of Jesus, know this, give your life to him. You are forgiven. Because as Jesus said to this woman, and he says to us, your faith has saved you. Go in peace. We pray with me together.